series. You guys, we did the survey. You said, we want to know and talk more about the last day. So we're doing it. Week number two. Last week, we talked about a broad overview of the last days. And we kind of were, were looking at different approaches that people have as we think about the end. Some people are afraid and they say, ah, I don't, I don't want to hear about that. Other people say, we've been talking about that forever. The Lord hasn't returned. Let's just not think about it. They're burnt out. And other people are always on this frenzy because they feel, based on a unique biblical application or world events, they feel and they predict a range of dates or specific dates, and they think the Lord's going to come at this time. And then, of course, he doesn't because he, he hasn't returned yet. And instead of any one of these we said we want to try and be as balanced as we can, believing we're in the last days, believing the signs are being fulfilled, but saying we don't know when he's going to come, um, but we don't think it's, in other words, not putting it too far off and not putting it too close, as we saw. We can't say it's going to be this year because we don't know the day or the hour or the year. But at the same time, we don't want to put it too far off in our hearts. Um, so today we're going to continue talking a little bit more about what it looks like. When you believe that we're living in the last days, what do we do now? What, what's our next step? But I want to start in Matthew chapter 24. We're not going to spend a lot of time going through all the signs and everything. We've talked about that in previous presentations. But I want to just highlight a few things about Matthew 24. Sometimes we misread what we think it's saying. But we have to be careful to understand and see clearly what Jesus is actually saying. So Matthew chapter 24 begins with a question. A question that the disciples asked Jesus. And there in verse 1, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus said, the center of the religious world for our faith is going to be annihilated, destroyed. And I showed you some of the pictures from my Israel trip about those stones that are no longer sitting there upon the Temple Mount. They have been cast off and torn apart. And the disciples thought, this is the end of the world. And so they asked a question, verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Destruction of Jerusalem, or the temple, they thought was the end of the world. And so they asked the question, believing that. But Jesus knew those were two very, very separate events. One was going to happen in 70 AD, and the other one wasn't going to happen for almost 2,000 years later, or whenever. But notice the first thing that Jesus does. He doesn't stop them and clarify their misunderstanding. It's very interesting, because he could have said, guys, you're actually asking a couple of things. One, the destruction of Jerusalem, the temple is going to happen in about 40 years, and the other one is going to be a couple millennia. He could have done that, but he didn't. He left it intentionally vague for his followers, and I think it ties into what we talked about last week, because it wasn't meant for us to know exactly when the Lord was going to return. It was more the attitude of our hearts that he wanted them to be focused on. 
Not to satisfy their curiosity, but to speak to their hearts and how they should live, with what attitude they should live. So notice his answer, verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. That's not even a direct answer to either, to, to, to either of these questions. His first thing is, hey, watch out. There's going to be a lot of trickery in the last days. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. A lot of deception. Then verse 6, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So this is a phrase that we sometimes skip over. These signs will be happening, but it's not the end yet. Get used to this kind of things going on in our world. Recognize that they will be happening, but that doesn't mean that just because they're happening that the Lord is about to return next week. For nation will rise against nation, verse 7, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of what? Sorrows. Greek there, birth pains. This is just the beginning of sorrows, of birth pains. So Jesus is telling his followers there's going to be this series of events. It's not just one event in particular, but there will be these things over and over and over again. And, and David and Erica, we were chatting earlier, I was hearing them talk. Where are you guys? Oh, right there. Yeah. You know that just one contraction doesn't mean it's time, right? At least as far as I understand. These things start, and they're less intense and less frequent, and eventually it leads to the birth. But Jesus was telling his followers, there are going to be these events, and they're probably going to get more close together and more frequent. But it's a word of caution for us to say, hey, we see what's going on in our world right now. And it may be that this is the last series of contractions before the Lord returns. But it may be that things will lighten up again. And we have some more series of signs that will follow. Does that make sense? It's hard for us to know. And sometimes, and that was the main idea last week, looking back in our history, we've seen that we have kind of this trigger-happy response to anything that we see in the news sometimes, and we say, aha, this is it. And unfortunately, while we may be okay that the Lord doesn't return imminently, there may be others who lose their faith or lose their enthusiasm for the return of the Lord. But at the same time, we don't want to say, ah, well, let's just stop looking forward to the return. So there's a a really tight line that we're trying to walk here of having that passion and enthusiasm looking forward to the return, believing it could be any time, but also saying, we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when the Lord will return. Uh, it's, It's hard to articulate exactly what that right balance is, and I think I'm still trying to figure that out. But you know what I'm trying to say here? You get the basic idea. So, so we want to just hear carefully what, what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 24. But then, of course, uh, we saw last week 
he says twice, well, you know, you can look at verses 42 through 44, and we see that we don't know when the Lord is coming. Uh, but, the, but the important part there is in verse 42. It says, watch therefore, because you do not know when the Lord is coming. Because we don't know when it's going to happen, the attitude that we should have is one of watchfulness. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. Because we don't know, watch. The purpose of the signs is not to satisfy our curiosity, but it's to get us to live in a watchful attitude. And boy, when I read the news, and I read a lot of news, I just got to say, we got to be watching we have to live in a watchful state. And I don't want you to get me wrong. I, I read the news. I see the news. I see what the scientists are saying. And if their predictions are, are accurate, our world is not trending upward. Our world is trending downward. Uh, and it can only trend downward for so much longer before the Lord returns. Uh, and I see these, these calls for peace and security, these summits that happen. And I've seen them in the past. Uh, then sudden destruction comes upon him, 1 Thessalonians uh, 5. But we have to be humble and say, we don't exactly know, but I know what Jesus wants us to do, which is to be watchful. So then we get to the question, what does watch mean? So that's really the, the question for today. What does it mean to be watchful? Well, there are a couple of Greek words that are used by Jesus. This one is used mostly, and it's basically the name Gregory. Anybody named Greg here? No? Okay, no Gregs today. Gregory, Gregoreo, means watchful. Somebody who is watchful. But, but as you look at it, and I was looking it up in, in my computer program on my computer, and the definitions there were to stay awake, to be watchful, to be in constant readiness. And then there was another Greek word, agrupneo, and it had a similar meaning, to be vigilant in awareness of threatening peril, to be alertly concerned about, to look after, to care for. So it's basically what you would expect from what we understand in English. But I want to show you some verses that highlight these aspects. And we're going to see that as the Bible writers in the New Testament used it, it was almost exclusively talking about their spiritual lives. Watchfulness is intensely connected to your spirituality. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch and stand fast in the what? In the faith. Be brave and be strong. Watch relates to your faith. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as others do. It's not saying don't, don't take a nap. We need to do that, amen? <laughs> as others do, but let us watch and be sober. A lifestyle of spiritual alertness. Look at this one, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping what? Watch over your souls. They're trying to look after your souls. We're supposed to look after one another's souls. We're here to watch for uh, uh, one another. 
Revelation 3.3, remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not, what? Watch, which was in connection with holding fast and repenting, spiritual. I will come after you, as, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I come upon you. Watching, in a biblical sense, is all about spiritually being ready. But there are also a number of verses that connect it especially to prayer. What about here in Mark 13, 33? Take heed, what? Watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Because we don't know exactly when the Lord's going to return, when you see those signs being fulfilled in our world, it should drive us to prayer. Prayer in our own lives, connecting, making sure we're with the Lord, and praying for the people and the situations in our world. Mark 14, 34, stay here, Jesus said, and watch with me. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what was he doing there? He was praying. Can't you just keep watch with me for an hour? Can't you just pray with me for an hour, Jesus said. Mark 14, 37 and 38, watch and what? Pray, lest you enter into temptation. It's a spiritual alertness. Keep on your guard spiritually so you don't enter into temptation. Luke 21, Watch therefore and what? Pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And then Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Again, is there a connection between praying and watchfulness? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Matthew 24, as we've said, is not so much to satisfy our curiosity and to help us pinpoint exactly when the Lord will return, but it's to help us to realize when we see the signs, we need to be watchful in our own lives and watchful for the lives of others. And Jesus concludes with four parables. Matthew 24 comes to a close and he, he tells one parable, and then in Matthew 25, he tells three more parables. And it's, it's like he is giving examples in the life of what it looks like to watch in the last days. So just briefly, I want to point out these parables. There was the unjust steward at the end of Matthew 24, and then there were the parable of the, the, parable of the ten virgins, beginning of Matthew 25, parable of the talents, and the parable of the sheep and the goats. So, using your memory, let's just, in fact, you can turn there if you want to. Oops, I just gave away my secret. <laughs> using your memory, the parable of the unjust steward, in fact, you can just turn there if you want. Or in my Bible here, it says the faithful servant and the evil servant. What was the issue? What was the issue there? Let's take a look at it. Matthew 24 and verse 46 and onward. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find him so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is what? Delaying his coming. It first starts in your heart. Ah, oh, he's not coming for a long time. Uh-oh, watch out. 
manifests itself in the behavior. And then he begins, verse 49, to beat his fellow servants. He begins to eat and drink with the drunkards. And the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, at an hour when he is not aware of, and he will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So in this first parable, a person is not watchful, and that lack of watchfulness leads them to abuse and, and treat others carelessly and to live carelessly. So uh, by converse, in opposition to that, watchfulness means carefulness. Carefulness in how you live your life and carefulness in how you treat other people. But there were four parables I said, right? So let's go to the second one. The ten virgins. And we, we talked uh, about a similar parable. Oh, no, sorry, that's coming up here. The, the ten virgins, ten young ladies, we could call it, what were they waiting for in the parable? The bridegroom. Yeah, they were excited because there was a wedding happening. And they were waiting to see the bridegroom. But did he come exactly when they were expecting him to come? No. What, well, there was a delay, right? It was a longer delay. And how many of these ladies fell asleep? All of them. That should be a lesson to us. Um, the bridegroom came when they were all sleeping, but yet still, how many of them were wise and how many were foolish? Five were wise and five were foolish. And in the story, the parable, the wise ones had what? Extra what? Extra oil. And there's a lot we could say about that, but basically, the big idea spiritually, was they had an experience that was deeper with Jesus. It wasn't just superficial. Because the Bible says there'll be a lot of people who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things? But he says, I don't really know who you are. So half had an experience that was deep. And the other half, it was just a more superficial Experience and when Jesus comes, it'll be too late to all of a sudden try and become close to Him. Not because He doesn't want you there, but because it just doesn't work like that. Jesus is going to take everybody to heaven that will be truly happy in heaven. But if you have been training your heart to be happy with the things of the world and the sins of the world, if God were to take you to heaven, you wouldn't even be happy there. You wouldn't want to stay there. And so the only way to be happy in heaven is to spend time with the God of our heaven now so that he trains our, our spiritual taste buds to like the things of heaven and the people of heaven. So the parable of the, of the ten virgins reminds us that watchfulness leads to prayerfulness or a deep connection with the Lord. But I wanted to use the word prayerfulness because it keeps with a theme, okay? The first one, watchfulness leads to carefulness in how we live and treat others. Second parable, it leads to prayerfulness, a deep, true connection with our God. And then there was the parable of the talents, and we addressed a similar parable a couple of weeks ago. And what was the, the big idea in the parable of the talents? Some people used their talents and they got more back, and then there was somebody who didn't use it. They hid it, 
And was the master very happy with that person? No. We saw a couple weeks ago, you got to use what you have. It may be all you've been given, but use it. Whatever it is. Use your time, talents, treasure. Use your resources. Use the special abilities, your personality that God has given you. So the lesson from the parable of talents, what does watchfulness mean? Watchfulness is usefulness. Put yourself to use. And finally, we have the parable of the sheep and the goats. What separated the sheep and the goats as you go back in your memory or as you look at it in Matthew 25? What separated the two? Let's take a look at it. Matthew 25. Starting in verse 31 there. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Blessed, come, blessed you of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for... Because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. The people who are the sheep see the needs in the community and they do what God has laid on the, upon their heart to fulfill those needs. So many needs in our community. We can't, of ourselves, meet them all, but we can do something. We can, we, can, we can meet the needs of the people that God has appointed for us to meet in very practical ways. It doesn't say that they, that they preached a sermon to them. It just says they were hungry and you gave them food. They were naked and you put clothes on them. They were in prison and you visited them. By the way, in April, I'm going to have somebody come and speak all about the prison ministry that he gets to do. He's baptizing people left and right uh, who have found the Lord while locked up. It'd be an opportunity if, if any of you want to be involved in that. He's looking for people to help out, to go along. You don't have to preach to help out. But then what about the goats? Verse 37 then the righteous will answer and say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked or clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. And he will say to those on their left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer and say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. It's a pretty 
heavy par- parable. But in his last parable, in relationship to the second coming, Jesus says, the people who are going with me will have a heart for the people like I have a heart. That heart will not lead them just to say, God bless you, brother, but a heart that will say, how can I help? What can I do? So the parable of the sheep and the goats teaches us about watchfulness. And watchfulness, I made up a word, means sharefulness. Sharing what you have with those in need. So many ways to do that. We have a wonderful homeless ministry that goes out usually on the fourth Sabbath of the month. We have a a Dorcas ministry uh, that helps provide things, sometimes baskets at the holidays, sometimes food for people who come here in need. Uh, But but we're we're not just limited to what we are currently doing. We want to do more. Uh, And if you have an, an idea and a thought in your heart that you want to get involved in, talk to me and let's make it a reality. But those who are watchful, Jesus said, they will have a heart like me, and when they see people in need, they will do something about it. They will share it. And of course, it doesn't just, it's not limited only to physical goods. It's sharing the love of God and sharing the truth of God. Are we supposed to preach? Of course we're supposed to preach. There in Matthew 24, Jesus says the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness, and then the end will come. So what do we do in response to the signs? What do we do? Watching means carefulness. Taking care of your own spirituality. Caring for the spirituality of others. Caring for how you treat other people. Prayerfulness. Having a spirit and an attitude that says, I need to connect with my Lord every single day. In prayer, in sharing, in scripture. Usefulness, saying, God, here I am. You're coming back. I don't know when, but I want to be used by you. Use what I have. And Lord, let me share what I have so that others can have also. So the question we have today is, do you want to be a watchful Christian as we wait for Jesus? It's not in our own power that we do it. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. But these are the things he's calling us to in these last days as we wait. Whether it's a long time or whether it's really, really soon, I want to be watching every single day. How about you? Let's bow our heads. Dear Father, we're grateful that you love us and that you're coming back. Lord, our world is falling apart and we need you. We need you as we watch and wait, and we need you when you come back. So please give us strength, give us power, give us your Holy Spirit, and may we watch every single day and help others to be watchful too. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and I hope to see you tonight.